This is Chris Barnett. Welcome to episode four of Breaking Down Business. Welcome to Breaking Down Business, a podcast produced on behalf of the Kent State College of Business Administration by adjunct marketing instructor and CEO of All Good Marketing, Christopher Barnett. In this series, we connect listeners to our experts who share the latest on high-impact research and best practices in business. We bring relevant and timely business topics to you every other week. This is Breaking Down Business with your host, Chris Barnett. Welcome to the Breaking Down Business Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Barnett. If you're intrigued by the concepts of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, or maybe even a little puzzled by them, you won't want to miss this episode. Joining us today is Kent State University Professor of Finance, David Pelling. In this episode, David breaks down the economic side of cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, and their place in the emerging tech 4.0 business landscape. So let's get started. Today, we're speaking with David Pelig, finance instructor at the Kent State University College of Business Administration, where he lectures on the evolution of traditional capital markets into Industry 4.0. David, welcome. Hi, good to be here. Glad to have you. Can you explain your professional background? Sure. I worked for uh, 25 years in the capital markets doing derivatives and options trading, and I worked in hedge funds and structured products, which is a fancy name for complex products. Uh, but I've always been interested in, in teaching, and sort of as my career matured, you know, I found in pretty much every job I had, what I was doing is you know, breaking down complex topics and making them accessible to people who weren't domain experts in, in certain areas, and so sort of have used that uh, with my teaching finance things like corporate finance and trading and, and, and buying and selling of commodities and that kind of stuff. We, we, what we've done is, you know, to be sort of reacting to the, the changing marketplace and the changing skill sets required of students. We've been in the process of revamping the curriculum to focus on tech 4.0, which we can discuss more later on, but also data visualization and, you know, advanced financial modeling topics. And so we created this Bitcoin class to sort of as part of the the, the wave of, um, you know, new digital currencies and emerging technologies. So is this digital currency a class you teach? I'm teaching uh, a, a number of courses like introduction to financial modeling, intermediate investments, intermediate corporate finance and uh, fixed income. And then a course on Bitcoin and blockchain. And the Bitcoin and blockchain course is, is a course that we've been evolving, and it focuses on developments in fintech, you know, which is next generation financial technologies, Bitcoin, digital currencies, tokenization of securities, and evolution of the capital markets. Eventually, this course will become a requirement, and it'll focus more on the fintech side and less on the Bitcoin side. But, it, you know, it's a course that's sort of evolving with the marketplace. And why would this be a required course in the future? So what I always say is, you know, Jeff Bezos, the guy who started Amazon, right? He said, I can't predict the future, which is true because you can't predict the future. But he said, I do know that in the future, people will want things cheaper and faster. And so I'm going to build a business that's going to deliver things cheaper and faster. And I guess he's had some moderate success with that. 
<laughs> he's not okay. You got to uh, start somewhere. It's, it's a work in progress. We'll see how he does. And so the world is shifting into the next gear of technology, which people call the fourth industrial revolution or tech 4.0. Um, the old ways of doing business are become too expensive and too slow. And so the key to fintech is to do all the kind of marketplace stuff that's always been done, uh, but do it cheaper and faster. And so Bitcoin could be, and we don't know yet because, you know, that's all being developed right now. Uh, Bitcoin could be, you know, that next generation of currencies that replaces the dollar in some small or some larger part, you know, to help speed commerce and to make uh, commerce cheaper, basically. So how does this uh, relate to Tech 4.0 that you mentioned earlier? So going back uh, 60,000 feet, so Tech 4.0, artificial intelligence, big data, Internet of Things, right, where everything is connected to the Internet. Uh, Internet everywhere on Earth, you know, they're launching satellites right now uh, to cover the Earth with Wi-Fi coverage anywhere. Uh, Self-driving cars, self-driving trucks, those are happening right now, right? There's already self-driving trucks on the road. And there's already self-driving cars. You know, in, in Phoenix, you can hail a taxi that's self-driving. These things are prototypes and the uh, machine learning built into these are being built out. You can see that, that, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and, you know, and which players are, are the ones that, you know, capture that. Amazon is also a great example of Tech 4.0 because they're sort of changing the entire nature of the whole retail process where instead of people going to stores, they go online and they get the items, you know, within hours instead of days. So right. uh, with self-driving delivery kiosk vehicles, which you can see prototype photos on the internet, if you look, you know, the, the delivery standard that Amazon is going for is for an hour delivery, right? So if I can get something from Amazon in an hour, well, that's the same speed as going to the mall and, you know, buying something. So um, that all relies upon Tech 4.0. They need to know where their inventory is at all times. And so all of that technology requires uh, new types of settlement and new types of currencies. We need some new currency to replace the dollar because it's too slow and it's too expensive. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. So, so too slow in that right now i mean you can wire dollars in the same day but to wire the same dollar twice in one day would be a bit of a challenge and it has to go through many third parties because trust is required so you need banks and intermediaries uh, to make that payment happen and those all cost money right uh, you have you know room you have buildings full of highly paid, uh, highly skilled employees pushing paper and sending emails and faxes to help the whole system of settlement and commerce and dealing with fraud and refunds and uh, signatures and account closings. All of that costs money and time, and it's, and it's just too slow. And so some new type of currency or payment systems or Multiple systems need to emerge to, you know, enable people to transact in a virtual economy, to uh, transact where you're buying and selling things multiple times in a day. All of that infrastructure requires faster and cheaper settlement. So cryptocurrency 
streamlines the whole payment process. Correct. It makes it faster. It removes the need for trust, and it also removes the need for third parties. For example, if I owe you a Bitcoin, you don't. There's no check is in the mail, right? You either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have it, I didn't send it. Uh, you don't need to call me and ask if I sent it. So therefore, no trust is involved. The the way that Bitcoin or other digital currencies work is they remove the need for trust, right? Because when you get rid of having to have trust, then I don't need a third party and I don't need verification systems and I don't need to send you invoices and receive, you know, and receive bills and checks, right? I can set up smart contracts which settle by themselves where once we've created our business deal, we never need to ever make a payment uh, because we create a, a program that can do that for us. Okay. Although I'm getting it ahead of our myself because I'm starting to bring in smart contracts. But the key is, is that trust is expensive. And the purpose of Bitcoin and other digital currencies and blockchain is to remove the need for trust, as crazy as that sounds. So you just mentioned blockchain. It's a word that I, I've heard a lot. The interesting thing about blockchain is it's a new paradigm in human record keeping for the purpose of commerce. So going back, you know, to the Egyptians before the Egyptians, you know, all commerce was either recorded on, you know, tablets or on paper as some kind of system where each person in the deal had their own copy of the truth. So if you and I are doing business and I'm selling, if I'm selling books to you, for example, I send you the books and I keep track of how many books I've sold you and the price I think you owe me per book. You have your own system and you keep track of how many books you've received, how many books you've ordered and how much you think you agreed to pay for them. And then every month I send you an invoice, right, which you may or may not pay. And if you don't pay it, then I have to call you up and say, hey, what's up? And if, but sometimes I call you up and you don't agree with my numbers, right? Which often happens because it can get very complicate, complicated. And so therefore, both your company and my company, we, they both have teams of people whose whole job is to interact, reconcile your database with my database to come up with our consensus view of what the truth is. Okay. And once we've established the truth, then we will settle the payment, right? With some kind of money and in our case we typically would use dollars right so with blockchain the key paradigm shift uh reversing i don't know six or seven thousand years of human commerce perhaps more is that instead of you having a database and me having a database we share a database and because of the cryptography that's built in we can trust that that database is a record of the truth And if we can trust that that shared database, our single database, is the record of the truth, then we've just eliminated a massive amount of costs. Auditors, accounts payable, accounts receivable, treasury, uh, banks, you know, uh, custodians. Like there's a whole chain of people in that transaction that are involved in order to, you know, settle our trade. Or think about real estate. Like if the titles for property were on a shared blockchain that everyone agreed was the record of the truth, 
then you don't need title insurance anymore. You don't need, you know, title searches and, you know, for doing any kind of real estate transaction. You know, it's just massive amounts of costs are eliminated from the process. Where does this shared database lie? Where is it? Uh, Okay. So there's different versions of blockchain, right? And the one that everybody knows because it went up to $20,000 a coin is, uh, is Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is just a blockchain and that blockchain is just simply a database of wallets and the coin balance in each wallet. Uh, the only way to um, transfer a coin from one wallet to another is you need the private key for that wallet. Where the blockchain comes in is that every transaction that's ever happened since the history of Bitcoin is recorded as a block. And if you think of that block as looking like a Lego, right? Right. And once you attach that block to the rest of the other blocks that have already occurred, when you put put it on top, there's some super glue that's built in there. And the super glue is cryptography. Once you put a block into the chain, it can never be changed ever. I won't go into the mathematical reasons, but the way it you keep it from being hacked and or from me creating another copy and inserting a transaction where I got your money. That is because there's 50 to 100,000 copies of this database. And in order for you to change anything in that database, you need to have at least 51% have to agree with your information you want to change. In other words, you'd have to hack 25,000 computers in order to change that data. So if I wanted to change your phone bill, I would just need to get your password, hack in there, and then get all your phone numbers or add some charges to your bill or erase your bill or whatever. There's a one source of failure. Bitcoin, if I wanted to hack it, I would need twenty five to 50,000 sources of failure. So in other words, it's impossible. Right, right. So we could trust that it's secure. Actually, there's no trust involved. It's the truth. Or it's close as weak as humans can get to the truth. I, I fear, you know, it's like a Tower of Babel, you know, we're trying to get to perfection of truth. It's as, <laughs> it's as close technologically as humans can get to a record of truth. And it depends on zero trust. It assumes that everyone involved is a scoundrel or rogue and is trying to steal money. So no one is trusted at all. But because of the magic of cryptography a record of truth can be created. And it's impenetrable. We think so. We think so at this point. And as far as we know, no one has ever hacked the Bitcoin blockchain, even though any hacker and rogue on planet Earth has had both full opportunity and also a huge incentive to do so. As we stand right now, as far as we know, uh, it, it, it can't be cracked. Gotcha. When you're teaching this, how do students respond? Oh, it's great because for the students, I, what I tell them, when they leave school and they get a job, they'll either be doing a job that's building out Tech 4.0 in some way, in which case they'll be part of a huge amount of growth and have great up employment prospects for the next 20 years. Uh, or they'll take a job that's a legacy job that will be eventually replaced by some uh, some kind of tech 4.0 solution to cut costs, right? Because we know one thing, as Jeff Bezos said, but even more so applying it to corporates, corporates want to cut costs wherever they can. 
And if they can cut costs with robots and technology and replace uh, expensive human beings, then they were going to want to do that, you know, and, and hopefully assign those humans to doing something more interesting. These students have grown up with technology. And so for them, some of the mind boggling things that I've seen uh, to them are not as mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much any part of business is going to be improved and significantly changed by tech 4.0, right? Uh, Supply chain, purchasing, finance, accounting. Um, I'm sure the law will be affected by it. Pretty much everything. When you come across like a generational change of, of technology, I mean, for example, in 1995, what would be affected by the internet? You know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So everyone will be affected by the internet. And, and this tech 4.0 builds on, you know, all the connectivity and computerization brought forth by databases and internet. So it sort of takes it to the next level. So therefore, everything will be affected by this. For example, uh, I, I was talking to a one of the leading uh, accounting firms about their recruitment targets. And so for the past 100 years, I, I don't know if they've been around 100 years, but it's not unlikely, uh, nine-tenths of the people they hired were accountants. And they may hire an analyst here and there, you know, to do data analysis. Mm-hmm. They expect going forward, it's going to be one-third accountants, one-third data and visualization people, and one-third consultants. Uh, so totally changing the hiring mix, you know, in the next few years. Okay. Uh, because a lot, you know, because of Tech 4.0 and data visualization, having an army of accountants to do stuff from scratch going through boxes of, you know, receipts, uh, it sort of becomes a thing of the past when you could have machine learning, AI type of technologies applied to audits or when you have commerce occurring over a blockchain with smart contracts, uh, it's it's a whole nother, whole nother level. Right. The cost savings is so immense. That's why you're going to expect in fintech, you'd expect that sector to be one of the first to take advantage of these new technologies to be at the forefront. Um, Whereas, you know, you'd expect coffee shops to be at the back of the vanguard because their their cost savings opportunities are lower. So uh, Right. But until you can use your uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin to buy a cup of coffee, is it is it going to be adopted on the whole? So right. So that's so the, the next well, there's a, a several holy grails. This is like a multi grail environment. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so so one of the grails is to have a digital currency that can settle uh, transactions on the scale of MasterCard Visa. Because I think MasterCard Visa can settle about 50,000 transactions uh, per hour. And so uh, without really any slowdown in the network. And so Bitcoin can't even come close to that now. Now they worked, they're working on some technologies like Lightning Network and, and other kind of off-chain settlements, uh, solutions to, to get that kind of scale. And they will definitely achieve it because we're achieving it right now with dollars. So there will be some tech solution. We just don't know what it is yet. But 
when that rolls out and that gets rolled into you know the app on people's phones and they can make payments when you get to that level um then we'll know if bitcoin is the gold that sort of underpins that whole system which is what a lot of people think you know then the price of and that system starts to build out and gets rolled out then um bitcoin will have an immense value if some other currency takes over some other currency or currencies or stable coins if they are the solution then bitcoin will not be worth much if if anything so most of the value of bitcoin right now is the speculation of being the the basically the pipeline being the plumbing for this new settlement uh, technology gotcha but there are others in the works correct yeah. other types of and yeah. each of these cryptocurrencies is built on its own infrastructure yes a lot of them well a, a lot of them are built on uh, the ethereum infrastructure because ethereum is a blockchain like bitcoin but ethereum is different than bitcoin because ethereum has a programming language which uh, the, the buzzword is turing complete which means you can write technically any computer programming program in that language and therefore you can create smart contracts in ethereum or you can create your own style of tokens uh, there's some scalability issues with ethereum people are worried about uh, but there's a lot of developers there there's a lot of brain firepower that's being spent on that uh, but there's others platform other platforms like eos or tezos that are trying to be the next Ethereum, you know, and, and not sure who's going to be the winner of that race, but you know, that's something that's evolving right now. Absolutely. Nobody knows how this is going to turn out. That's got to be a real challenge for an instructor in giving the students this knowledge, not knowing how everything is going to turn out. That's the best part because I can't be wrong because there's no right answer. <laughs> and, well, that means neither can your students. So they I all know. get <laughs> I know. So they, have to, they have to hopefully say something that sounds good. <laughs> but uh, like uh, if I'm, when I'm teaching my students about investments, right, I've, I have 25 years of experience on them. So it's not very likely for them to ever know more than me. Right. However, with tech 4.0, none of it has been developed. And so in a matter of weeks, they could be way ahead of me if they get involved in a project. Right. And, and it's that kind of opportunity that I think it really excites the students it's sort of like back in the beginning of the derivatives markets, you would have these, you know, 25, 28 year old masters of the universe who, because they were the only ones who knew how new types of derivatives or mortgage backed securities could trade, would all of a sudden be leading very large organizations. And so these students will, who get involved in this will be way ahead of me within a year or two or months even. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's always exciting to see for them because, like I said, no one has figured it out yet. We just sort of know that the wheel is being invented right now, but we don't know which wheel we're going to go with yet. It sounds like it's evolving in real time, really. Yeah, it's happening right now. How can students learn more about your classes? Well, if they're in the um, School of Business at Kent State, they can sign up for this finance course. They can send me an email at uh, dpeleg at kent.edu, uh, or they can look on the, the course catalog. It's fin 26051 Bitcoin and Blockchain Tech. You know, Kent State is just a rich environment for building your technology chops, 
I really appreciate you joining us today on the Breaking Down Business Podcast. Definitely a lot to think about and definitely sounds like a wonderful class for those finance students that are looking for an advantage for Tech 4.0. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you. I look forward to seeing you in the halls at the Kent State College of Business Administration. Me too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, David Pellig, for breaking down these emerging financial technologies for our audience and sharing the ways Kent State students benefit from your fintech classes. For more information about David's Bitcoin and blockchain course and Kent State's other business programs, visit kent.edu forward slash business. Thank you for joining us for Breaking Down Business. Brought to you by the Kent State College of Business Administration, offering 10 undergraduate majors, online and in-person MBA programs, and a comprehensive PhD program. Learn more about the many ways to pursue a business education at Kent State at kent.edu forward slash business.